Cable news, noisy, boring, out of touch. That's why Salem News Channel is different. We keep you in the know. Streaming 24-7 for free. Home to the greatest collection of conservative voices like Dennis Prager, Jay Sekulow, Mike Gallagher, and more. Salem News Channel is unfiltered and unapologetic. Watch anytime, on any screen, at snc.tv and local now, channel 525. It's Monday, which means it's time for Money Monday here on the Bruce Hooley Show. We chat with Josh Pick of Aptus Wealth Management. Aptus is located in Lewis Center, just off Route 750. You can set up a free consultation with Josh and the Aptus team. You can reach out, set your appointment via the phone, 614-917-1040, or you can set up your appointment online and their website, Aptus Wealth, A-P-T-U-S, aptuswealth.com. And Josh, we have talked some on the Aptus Retirement Blueprint radio show, which uh, airs at 7 p.m. Friday and replays at noon Saturday. We've talked over the last few months some about long-term care. And uh, you saw a stat recently that indicated just how perhaps not prepared many people in America are for long-term care. Yeah, you know, the stat was pretty startling. It said by 2033, 11 million retirees age 75 and older will not be able to cover or afford the cost of assisted living, long-term care, et cetera. And that wasn't really the startling fact of the uh, of this stat. What was startling about it is the reason why. And the reason why was that people make too much money to qualify for Medicaid, which is the program that pays for our long-term care assistance in the event that we are essentially destitute and can't afford it ourselves. Um, they make too much money for that to cover it, but they don't make enough money to cover it on their own. So they're kind of caught in this, you know, vortex in the middle where they go, well, you know, I've, I've done all the right things, but I'm not a bazillionaire, so I can't afford it on my, on my own, but I can't qualify for all the programs either. And I'm sure uh, people that are listening can think of a myriad of times where they, they kind of fell into that trap, whether it's through college funding or mm-hmm. whatever it might be. And, you know, I think when that happens, we end up with this kind of throw our hands up in the air and, and say, darn if we do, darn if we don't. So there's really nothing we can do. And that's just simply not the case. It doesn't necessarily mean that you need to go out and buy a really expensive long-term care insurance policy. It doesn't mean that you just have to spend all your money until you're broke and then hope that the programs that are currently in existence are still in existence then. There are other options, but you need to understand how to explore them. You need to understand the people that need to be involved to execute them. But you can put yourself more in a driver's seat to have more control over what happens in the event that you need long-term care. And the unfortunate stat is about half of everybody's going to need some form of care at some point in their life. Yeah, and this hit myself and my brothers uh, pretty hard. We dealt with it with uh, my mom. I think the assumption of my parents was that they would reach retirement. They would live in the home that they were in, and we didn't anticipate that my father would die suddenly, and then my mom would not be able to uh, be safe in her own home because of some of her physical limitations. And as we delved into what Medicaid pays for or Medicare or whatever it is, I don't even remember, but as the federal government picking things up, there was a lot of uh, well, a lot of regulations, a lot of rules about, well, if you have this, you're not eligible for this and that and the other. And uh, it's extremely complicated. What kind of planning would you say people need to start doing? What ages maybe do they need to start thinking about it? And how involved would you say children need to get in this discussion with their parents? Because this looms out on the horizon as at least a possibility for everyone. 
Yeah, I mean, we, we don't want to like to think about the fact that at some point in our lives, we're probably not going to be able to take care of everything anymore. That just is a unfortunate reality of life. So I think the more that you involve your kids or whoever is going to be involved in making decisions for you in the event that that occurs, the, you know, those conversations with them, I mean, obviously not with your four-year-old, but, you know, we're talking about adult children. I think you should have that conversation. As far as planning goes, the best time to plan was yesterday. and The next mm-hmm. best time is today. So I don't think there's really a a clear-cut answer to when you're 65, start thinking about these things. Now, as part of that planning, you might not want to execute some pieces of those plans until you reach certain benchmarks. But the longer you wait, the less options you have. And and I think, you know, when we think about long-term care planning, there's really three levers that you can pull that are the predominant levers. Lever number one, I don't have any money or I have very little funds. I'm just going to wait until I go broke and let Medicaid pick up the tab. Option number two, I have plenty of money. I'm going to self-insure. I'm going to buy a long-term care policy. But that gray area in the middle is one that can be filled with um, things like trust planning with an attorney. There's a bunch of different things that you can do that put you back in the driver's seat. Now, that might not mean that you're going to get a bunch of free money, but it does mean, and we've talked about this on the on the Blueprint radio show, even if you don't have a tremendous amount of money, Medicaid doesn't pick up the tab on everything. You know, think of uh, the cost of glasses. If you could only get a new pair of glasses every few years, but you had Alzheimer's, for example, and maybe you're stepping on your glasses or throwing them away, who's going to pick up the cost of items like that? Clothing. You know, Medicaid doesn't pick up the tab on most clothing. So being able to have some money set aside that is protected from the grips of the federal government before Medicaid picks up the tab can give you the option to live uh, a better life where your kids aren't responsible for funding some of those incidental costs. Josh Pick is our guest. Aptus Wealth Management is Josh's firm. They are located just a bit north of 270 and 23 in Lewis Center off Route 750. You can set up a free consultation to discuss these end-of-life care issues or planning for financial independence later in life or investing. The volatility of the market now has certainly wreaked havoc with a lot of people's retirement savings. You can reach their office to set up your appointment by calling 614-917-1040. You can also set up your appointment online at AptusWealth, A-P-T-U-S, AptusWealth.com. And while you're there, subscribe to Josh's YouTube channel. Hit subscribe. You'll be notified of new content. And that way you can get topics like this in smaller doses, replay it, share it, pause it, and uh, really ingrain that kind of expertise that Josh and his team can impart. Okay, for us, I know uh, we would have been better served as a family if we had sat down with our parents and with someone like you, a fiduciary required to uh, do exactly what's best for your clients, because there are ways that parents who have assets can give those assets to their kids but there's a timeline that like Medicaid, there's like a look back or something like that. They look back on assets and there's a way you can give some of those to your kids, to your heirs, to whoever you want to and not have that be an issue if and when they're doing the evaluation of what your assets are, what your worth is compared to will they pay for your care or not. Yeah, I think what you just illustrated there is it's a, it can be a pretty darn confusing process. And beyond just the level of confusion that you experienced, note that although Medicaid is a federal program, it is actually run by the states. So every individual state will have different regulations on what you can keep, what you can't keep. You know, are IRAs off limits or do those go back into the pot of what's considered income? What about my primary residence, my home that my family's, you know, maybe I have a surviving spouse and she wants to live in the home while I'm, you know, there's all these different kind of regulations and timelines. And you're right, there is a look back, which is also different uh, based upon individual states. And what that look back means is if you make changes 
where you're trying to essentially shelter or protect some money from the grips of the federal government, you have to do that by a certain time, or the federal government will look back and say, or the state government in some instances will look back and say, ah, you were trying to hide money from mm-hmm. us. So that counts again. So I think the, the moral of the story here is it's a very antiquated, um, confusing system and process. And if you don't really live it and breathe it on a daily basis, it would be very difficult to navigate, as I believe you and your family experience. So, you know, getting some help uh, can make a gigantic difference, and the sooner the better. Yeah, no doubt about it, and that is why it's great to have a professional wealth advisor like Josh Pick and the Aptus team. Set up your free consultation at 614-917-1040 or online at aptuswealth, A-P-T-U-S, aptuswealth.com. It seems like there are more people out there now who are willing to forecast that economic conditions might not get as bad as we once feared. Do you have the kind of clarity yet that you can make any prognostication about what might be ahead? Well, I think we're making strides in the right direction. Uh, you know, inflation is definitely down uh, from where it was. Uh, the Fed has shown a pretty aggressive stance in being willing to make the difficult calls to, to help get it there. However, we still have a whole host of other issues that are affecting inflation. You know, I mean, we have uh, truck driver shortages. You know, from COVID, we, we realize that we, we order a lot of things online. And when you order a lot of things online, it drives more need for truckers. And unfortunately, we're running into shortage there. So transportation costs are way up. Um, just simply storage costs. If you look at warehouse storage costs, I mean, up 11 percent uh, year over year, that's having a dramatic impact on the supply chain. So I don't think we're out of the woods yet. Um, I don't think that we can guarantee that we're coming in for a soft landing. I think there's some more difficult decisions ahead. And I don't think any of the things that I see on the horizon are pointing towards a strong um, stability in the way of the stock market. So I think, you know, it's going to be some trying times. It doesn't mean we won't come out on the other end uh, rosy like we always have. But um, I think you better have a pretty firm grip on the choices that you've made financially, why you've made them, and be very confident in them. Or I think you're going to be emotionally strained over the next six to 12 months. Well, arm yourself with the most knowledge you can. And Josh certainly imparts that here on his visits with us every Monday and on the Aptus Retirement Blueprint radio show. Aptus Wealth can be reached at 614-917-1040 or online at aptuswealth.com, A-P-T-U-S, aptuswealth.com. And Josh, we'll see you Friday for the Aptus Retirement Blueprint radio show. Sounds great. Thanks, Bruce. Uh, the epitome of government efficiency, not, is the Scioto Mile Fountain. I've been trying to find out when the Scioto Mile Fountain first opened to the public. Uh, all I can find is that it was named one of the best 15 fountains in the world by CNN in 2014. So I'm going to guess you get on a list like that pretty much when the fountain debuts, maybe not. So 10 years, uh, and they were going to repair it because there were things that had gone wrong with certain aspects of it, water collected along the edges. It turns out when water flows off of a cement surface and collects in grassy areas, you know what that makes? Oh, that makes mud. That's what that makes. And little kids like mud. Little kids like to play in mud. The problem is then when muddy water gets in the fountain's collection area, and they have a big collection area under the fountain that holds 110,000 gallons of water because, heaven forbid, we couldn't not be using water in a sustainable fashion. Uh, that would not be good for the climate. Well, then that muddy water got in to the fountain holding tank and got into the pumps and all that kind of stuff. And the expected repairs to said fountain uh, now cannot be made. They have to rip it out and replace it. 
uh, and it will cost $15 million. Now, if I were writing this story for the Columbus Dispatch, uh, instead of Bill Bush, I would have noted in the first sentence what Bill Bush buried in the one, two, three, four, five, six, seventh paragraph. City taxpayers will contribute $7.5 million to the project. Seven and a half million dollars of taxpayer money. Now they will get the other seven and a half million from corporate entities. Why couldn't they get the entire 15 million? Are you telling me in Columbus, Ohio, there wouldn't be a line of, uh, let's be kind, socially responsible corporate entities lining up to take a victory lap for being the ones who paid for the new fountain downtown? Would I be intemperate to suggest that the $7.5 million that the taxpayers will be contributing to Andrew Ginther's uh, latest Scioto Mile Fountain, could that money be put to any better use in, say, Franklinton or uh, Linden or anywhere in the city? Um, I'm, I'm going to go on a, on a wild limb and say, yes, it could be, but you're going to get a fountain for it. Uh, the city originally paid $10 million for the fountain. Oh, in 2010, that's when it came about. 2010. So you got you get 13 years out of it. Uh, sorry, you're not going to be able to use the fountain this year. They're ripping it up. It will be open again on Memorial Day 2024. So sorry, kids. No fountain this summer. Uh, the new total budget for the fountain replacement project, Bill Bush writes in the dispatch, is more than 16 times what the city's preliminary determination was in 2021 that it would cost to repair. 16 times. That's on, uh, that's like in paragraph 9 of the story. Uh, I, I would I would also elevate that in the story. It seems to me like that's a wild cost overrun. But the dispatch is not in the business of making Andrew Ginther look bad, which is to say, the dispatch is not in the business of telling you the truth, because the truth always makes Andrew Ginther look bad. Now, it does not give me any pleasure to say that what I saw on the body cam video of the arrest of News Nation reporter Evan Lambert at Mike DeWine's press conference at the train derailment near East Palestine, it gives me zero pleasure to say that that also does not look good on video. Uh, I am a big supporter an unrepentant supporter of law enforcement. I believe strongly that the only way that we get crime under control in our cities is to exact consequences to deter lawbreaking. And I believe that the only way to do that effectively is with a strong, well-trained police force, whether that is local police, whether that is county sheriffs, whether that is in matters of extreme emergency, the Ohio National Guard, or the Ohio State Patrol. I'm a big believer in all four of those organizations, or all four of those entities of law enforcement. But what I saw on the body cam video from the arrest of Evan Lambert, and this is not a journalist sticking up for a journalist when there are bad journalists out there, and unfortunately there are many more bad ones than good ones these days, I am more than happy to tell you that the journalist was out of line. But in this case, it does not appear to me, based on what I saw on the video, that Mr. Lambert was out of line. Now, was he annoying and rude and boorish to be talking loudly during the beginning of a Mike DeWine press conference? I can allow for that possibility. 
because I've been in many press conferences where reporters have been rude and loud and boorish and self-absorbed and everything else. Kind of goes with being in television. But none of that is criminal, and none of that justifies what I saw in the video, which was Major General John Harris of the Ohio National Guard indisputably put his hands on Evan Lambert and push him. Can't do that. Can't do that. And then I saw what was both a woman and a man, and I don't know who they were with, but they were wearing green shirts with a gold badge. It didn't look like a real like badge. It looked like it was silk-screened onto the shirt, a badge. Take Evan Lambert out in, in a hallway and, first of all, put their hands on him, pull him out into the hallway, and then throw him to the ground. Um, he's due at the very least an apology. And again, I, I admit he was probably talking way too loud, inconsiderate of others, yes. But jerky behavior by one person does not justify what I saw on that body cam video. Dave Yost, the attorney general, is going to handle this because the Columbiana County Prosecutor's Office referred it to Dave Yost because they said it's a complicated case. Columbiana County Prosecutor's Office, you've got to go to your law enforcement entities and say, hey, this is a loser. You're putting us in a bad light. You guys apologize ASAP, and let's put this away. We handled this wrong. We handled this wrong. Look, I get it. Nerves are frayed. Everybody's concerned. There's a train derailment. You get into a, a military mindset. Everybody's got to do what I got. Everybody's got to do what I tell you to do in the order of public safety. But in that gym at that press conference, Evan Lambert was not endangering anybody's public safety. Their understanding of the governor, you can argue that. But for a regrettable period of time, somebody lost perspective there. And they did not like what they perceived as, and they, they were probably accurate. They perceived Evan Lambert challenging their authority, and they overreacted. They way overreacted. Speaking of way overreacting, last night I was not the only one who was interested in the He Gets Us commercials on the Super Bowl. Turns out New York Congressman Alexandria Ocasio-Cortez was also interested in the He Gets Us commercials. Now, I gave you from noon to 12.30 today, or thereabouts, Pam will have it on the podcast at 989theanswer.com and theanswerdaten.com, my two segments talking about the He Gets Us campaign. Uh, AOC was concerned about it, too, but she came at it from a bit of a different perspective than I did. AOC said that she did not believe Jesus would support Super Bowl commercials that make fascism look benign. So if you ever doubt how the left views Christianity, AOC in print referred to it as fascism. 